0: Hello, everyone, and welcome into the 610 Podcast. We've enjoyed bringing you conversation so much that we want to open it up to the listeners. If you want to get in on the conversation, email me at 610podcast, capital P-H-L, at gmail.com to get your Philadelphia sports questions asked. That's 610podcast, capital P, capital H, and capital L at gmail.com. Now to the conversation. You know Les got them hits, right? I'm fly like an eagle, I'm yelling go birds, he's sniffing the end zone, I'm feeling like hers, cramble out the pocket, boy, the first, like Davis, we blitz and put him in the dirt, making big plays, I'm feeling like slay. What's going on, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back into another episode of the 610 Podcast. I'm your host, Jay Hollihan, back here on this Wednesday evening discussing the Philadelphia Eagles and the Combine press conferences with Nick Sirianni, and Howie Roseman. There was a lot of stuff to talk about. Um, the impending futures for Fletcher Cox, Brandon Graham, and Jason Kelsey, as well as the ongoing situation with Hassan Reddick, who reportedly um, requested a trade, but then it sounded like from what he was saying on social media that he did not request a trade and wanted to still be an eagle, so some stuff on that. AJ Brown, Jalen Hurts, and as well as some backtracking with Howie Roseman and Nick Sirianni, as well as James Bradbury. So let's begin with the first topic there. Let's go Howie Roseman, Fletcher Cox, Brandon Graham, and Jason Kelsey's upcoming futures with the team.
1: You know, obviously, uh, those guys are unbelievable players, unbelievable people, and uh, they deserve the right to decide what's best for them. And, um, you know, uh, we'll wait and give them whatever time and space they need to make the right decisions. And I think the important thing from our perspective is you'd never want to see them Wearing different colors. And I, I think for us, no matter when that is, if they want the opportunity to come back, we, we'd we want to have the opportunity to bring them back. So
0: this was a very interesting point by Howie Roseman, something that I, I thought about. The first thought that came to my mind was his comments after I believe it was 2019, where he said it was either 2019 or 2020. He said that he felt as though he was a little too reminiscent and felt like he had been a little too, how do I put this, Um, maybe led with his heart instead of his head. And something that I think as a GM is a trait that you cannot really, I don't want to say you can't have, but you cannot, let get to you and affect your decision-making. Now, I do think that when it comes to those three players, and this is, of course, obvious, that one of them is still playing at the highest level that he has played at in his time in the NFL, and that, of course, being Jason Kelsey. So Kelsey's one where I feel like is like A Brian Dawkins back in 2009 where the parties did not come to an agreement on a deal and Jeffrey Lurie would go on to regret not bringing back Brian Dawkins. I think the same you can relate a little bit to but maybe on a lesser note because of it was not I think felt on both sides with Reggie White but Jason Kelsey is certainly one of those legends in Midnight Green in South Philly and someone that when he says, you know what, I want to retire or I'm going to come back, that's something that I think obviously you allow. But with Brandon Graham and Fletcher Cox, I find it interesting and maybe how he didn't want to lead on too much with, with his thoughts on on those two as well, even though he put them in the same breath as Jason Kelsey. I mean, listen, Brandon Graham has been great, but, you know, he last year he had a big dip and a big drop-off, um, and I just don't think whether they come up with, well, it was the scheme that he was in, that could be it too, but I'm just not sure if I'm sold on this guy coming back for next year and taking up a spot that maybe could be better suited for someone else. And then when you look at Fletcher Cox, I think you can argue the same thing. I mean, you know, do we really want him taking up snaps in Milton Williams' progression, and how will he also fit in Vic Fangio's 3-4? You know, how will that play out? And I think the same can be said as well for Brandon Graham. Now, as for Jason Kelsey, of course, whether he wants to come back or not is up to him. I'm fully in part with that, and it's not about will he fit in Kellen Moore's Offense. Trust me, if Callum Moore doesn't think he there, he's going to fit in the offense. So we've got bigger problems here than whether or not Jason Kelsey should be coming back. Um, so that's the uh, that's my thought there. Now let's go to a clip from both. We'll start off with Howie Roseman on Hassan Reddick, and then I'll play you Nick Sirianni.
1: Well, I'd say this uh, Hassan, obviously, unbelievable player for the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, Uh, local kid great success story camden temple philly um love having hassan i think that you know anything that you're trying to do um you're trying to blend obviously what you're trying to do this year and and how you're going to look in the future and i think that's the hardest job but um certainly you know don't want to get into any specifics with any conversations with players but have tremendous respect for the player and the person uh
2: yeah you know obviously um We'll see how that that plays out. I don't know how how that will play out. Obviously, uh, Hassan's been awesome for us these these last two years. Uh, big big reason why we've been to the playoffs the last uh, two you know last two years um, is the contributions of Hassan. Um, he's he's played really really outstanding football. So, you know, um, we'll see how that plays out, and uh, you know, hopefully, he's an Eagle.
0: So, as you heard from. Howie Roseman, he didn't really give you much there. I mean it kind of sounded like, you know, the he basically just told you about how well he enjoyed the guy, blah blah blah, and I mean it was kind of it is what it is. When it came to Nick Siriani, obviously he spoke a little bit more open about his feelings and how he would like things to work out with Hassan Reddick. Um, which is interesting because and this will be a good tie-in later on to that spat that the two had during the New York Giants game on Christmas Day where it appeared Sirianni and Redick were both going back and forth on things, and um, I think that's a perfect way to segue into um, Nick Sirianni talking about his reflection on last year and himself
2: if you go through like any anytime you go through a season whether it's successful in your eyes or whether it's not successful in your eyes you look on ways opportunities to get better and i my job is to talk to every single player and and, and i've done that talk to every single coach what went right what went wrong what's your in and, and and you you take that into account you take everything into account and you try to get better at, at doing those at, at doing those things i think Connection is the, our number one core value, and um, we there were things that we as a team, myself, didn't do a good enough job of last year. Right? Maybe we leaned a little bit more into one category of our core values: connect, compete, accountability, football IQ, and fundamentals. Maybe I at times I felt like I leaned maybe a little bit into one. And not enough into the other, and so those are all things that you that you evaluate at the end of the year. And I look forward to you know getting better. And in you know, like I said to you guys uh, before, like we're not that far removed from having one of the best cultures, uh, you know, that any of us had ever been been around. And and that's you know our players would say that, our coaches would say that, and it's just some tweaks that we need to do. But make no mistake about it, the things that like. You can change how you communicate uh, your culture. You can change the little ways that way you do it with it. Um, but at the forefront, we're never going to change what it, what the culture is, connect, compete, accountability, football IQ, and fundamentals. And we have the right coaches in here uh, to do it, and we have the right players in here to do it um, because we have good people in, the, in this building.
0: Yeah, so that's just one of those things where I feel like I've talked about it enough where you say to yourself, dude, you're – not a player you're not and i know there are coaches i mean bill bart bill parcells used to get into it with players all the time i mean him and phil sims used to go back and forth but you have to remember bill parcells is a hall of fame head coach nick sirianni does not have that type of accolades will he time will tell but when it comes to certain coaches uh, unless you're an offensive assistant. And, you know, that type of gaffe happens. As a head coach, I just don't think ultimately you can be the guy getting in people's face, looking like you're about to need, looking like you need to be restrained at times from yelling at one of your players, especially when they don't agree with what you're doing behind in your game management situations. Like, I know he's a fiery, competitive guy, but then you see what he did after the Kansas City Chiefs win, where if you can sit there and tell me, oh, well, I love that in a coach. I mean, really, you know, that's not something you really want to have out there, especially out of a guy who you already should not be feeling 100% confident in whether or not, they're going to be the right guy moving forward potentially. Now he has to go back to his core values, which is I think a little a little ridiculous sometimes and can get a little played out, I mean, the core values. I mean, that to me whenever that is said, that speaks big corporation like a you know a ymca and you walk in and you see their core values quote unquote and the people behind the scenes kind of roll their eyes at it that's the way that i kind of view that now whether or not it's let's you know take that to heart and this is the way that i'm coaching that's one thing but i don't need to hear that all the time it gets really ridiculous but Moving on now, this caught, of course, news. But here's AJ Brown's, um, or Nick Sirianni's statement on AJ Brown.
2: AJ, like I've been telling you guys for a long time, not only is he, you know, one of the best players I've ever been around, um, he's also one of the best leaders, and what you know, and he's gonna do anything he can do to stick up for for his for his teammates. Um, that's why I admire. That's why he wears the a C on his chest. Um, and I think that, you know, if you're speculating, well, hey, what what does it mean if he's yelling over, like everybody doesn't, there's some people that when you're when you're leading them, you yell at them. And there's some people when you're leading them, you put your arm around them. And there's some people, there's somewhere in the middle. And, like, that's leadership also is just figuring out what buttons to press with different guys. Not every person is true. You don't treat everybody the exact same. Right? The standard is what it is, and you hold everybody to that standard, but you don't treat everybody exactly the same of how you get to that standard, how you correct that standard, or how you praise that standard. Everybody's a little bit different. I think you know, uh, AJ understands that. Um, you know, Like I said, just a great teammate, a great person. Um, in my opinion, best receiver that's been in Philadelphia. And I grew up a Terrell Owens fan, and I grew up a uh, Howie says I'm too young to to uh, like Mike Quick, but I was a huge Mike Quick fan, um, and it's pretty cool that I get to uh, do some interviews with him every once in a while. And but you look at the stats, and you look at what AJ's done in a two-year span. He's he's had the two most productive years ever as a as an Eagle wide receiver. And so, man, like. When you have one of your best players being also one of your best leaders, that's, that's special.
0: So that's just one of those things where it's like you feel that the head coach is trying to talk up his guy. I mean, I think that him and A.J. don't have a bad relationship at all. I think he's appreciative of A.J. holding the players accountable, and I think it was a really good speaking point about the leadership skills of A.J. Brown. And I also think you really heard him say, He is arguably the best receiver in Eagles history, and that, I think, is so important to think about when we evaluate this from a media standpoint. I mean, you have to remember, the guys in year two, it's not like the Eagles are a young team. It's not like the Eagles um, just came along in in the 90s or in the 80s, like the late 80s or anything like that. You're best receivers that he's holding him up to the account of are Harold Carmichael mike quick and as he mentioned Terrell Owens to was only an eagles receiver for i think if if i'm correct here only like 2021 20, games. I mean, really think about that. So the fact that he's under that same breath really makes you think about it. And I know we can bring up Deshaun Jackson as well into that category. But there you go. I mean, Deshaun Jackson played how many years as an Eagle? Mike Quick and Harold Carmichael. And now you think about A.J. Brown under that same breath. It's just it's unbelievable that you sit back and say to yourself, yeah, wow, he really is among one of the Eagles' greatest wide receivers um, of all time, and I, I think that that's definitely a valid statement, especially because of the records that he holds. And you know, you hope to think that he's only getting better. Um, I did think though that he could have given Devontae Smith some love there as well. I know that the topic was about AJ Brown, but he could have said, "Hey, listen, I love this guy. He fits perfectly in what we're doing. Obviously, he's a great, great teammate all around. But not only that, he he just adds so much to." what we're trying to do in the passing game, how he lines up outside of Devontae Smith. He could have gone into all that about how they play off each other, how they make each other better players. I think that's something that he could have said to the media, and then people could be sitting there and saying to themselves, oh, wow, you know, A.J. Brown, veteran receiver, great for a young, young wideout. Oh, A.J. Brown. He really complements um, with his size and skill what Devontae Smith brings. Now, if I need to sit here and explain that to you, I feel like you're not as big of an NFL fan or don't follow it as much. However, um, I do feel like that's a way that I would have addressed it. Now maybe Nick Sirianni, I think you can tell he's not the most comfortable with national media. I think he's worked his way to being comfortable with the local media in the uh, Philly newspapers and, and beat writers. But I do believe that there certainly is a barrier. I mean, you can hear him kind of stutter. He seems nervous when he's up there. Um, I certainly think that goes with the uh, with why he may not have brought him up. However, I think that would have been uh, a good a good thing to say because it's true. So let's talk about Jalen Hurts' leadership skills, which has been a big topic
2: yeah um that's what this this early parts are are for this early you get a little bit of time to get away you hire new coaches you get a little time to get away and then you start to analyze your season and and um and and watch draft prospects watch free agencies um and so that's what we're in the process of uh right now um you know what what happened you know what we did well what we didn't do well right and and obviously there was there was a drop off and of of how we played down the stretch and how and how we coached down the stretch and uh you know again those are those are still in the early stages of us uh, kind of identifying those things don't want to give you a premature answer um but yeah that's what we're in the process of doing right now um and you know we're committed obviously to getting it better and and to uh you know taking a good step forward next year
0: So Jalen Hurts' leadership skills, I mean, listen, I know I was one that was a little frustrated that I didn't see him talking to his players, but, you know, I heard someone say this, and I can't remember who it was, maybe it was Ray Dittinger, so that if that's not who you are, you don't have to be, you don't have to try and pretend to be that guy. If you're not an in-your-face type of guy, like a Tom Brady, or, you know... In the Eagles' way, maybe an AJ Brown. Then you don't, you know, you can lead by example. You can lead in different ways, and I think that's who Jalen Hurts is. And I don't think we need to change that. Um, however, I will say this: I think we hear a lot of things behind the scenes. So I think there are certain times where they could come out and say, "Yeah, this is what Jalen Hurts does behind the scene." Because I want to hear at least why. There's a reason why he has that C, why he has that captain captain's patch. It's not just, oh, he's the starting quarterback. So I think that goes into account as well. So next up, Howie Roseman talking about last year.
1: You know, I, I don't know that um, I think about it other than how do we improve? You know, how do we get better as quickly as we can? Um, how do we put our resources in the right uh, position? How do we make good decisions after good decisions. Um, Certainly we weren't good enough. You know, I think that um, luckily we've gotten to a point here where um, you know, the standard is is trying to compete for world championships. And so if a season ends, whether it's this year, which was disappointing, or last year, which was disappointing, um, that's really what we're trying to do. So um I think it it's clear to me that um we weren't good enough to do that this year, and so I gotta do whatever I possibly can to do better and I gotta look at it um with open eyes and think about you know um what things that I can do to help the team um do better next year It's so
0: interesting to me when I hear it and it's I said it earlier about how he reflected on his decision-making after the Super Bowl run and how he felt like he was a little more reminiscent. Last year, I think it sounded like there was a lot of regret in not bringing back C.J. Gardner Johnson. Towards the end of the press conference, he was asked about James Bradbury, and I'll play that clip in a second, where he said he's under contract and he's in our plan. So, let me play that James Bradbury clip now
1: I think I think he's an outside guy I think when you look at the at the skill set there I think that you know that was one of the positions that as we got into the summer you um, we kind of knew we needed some depth there. We gave some guys opportunities to do it. You know, I got to do a better job of bringing in more guys to be able to play that position. I think that's one area that kind of you felt like in August, maybe we, we need to add. So we tried some guys, but when you look at JB and his history and his success as an outside corner to ask him to do something, which is really a different position is hard.
0: You know, it's so funny to hear Howie Roseman speak about a cornerback that he gave a contract to, he sounded very, very unsure why he did that. I shouldn't say unsure of why he did that the year before, but he sounded almost like he was second-guessing himself and wished he had gone in a different direction, maybe brought back C.J. Gardner-Johnson. because, And the reason why I say this is because we've seen him give big contracts to cornerbacks, i.e. Namdi Asamoah, and Byron Maxwell, and then when they didn't work out, the following year they were gone. So if he decides that James Bradbury ultimately is a guy that will be in their plans, it's going to be very interesting to see because, like I said, Byron Maxwell and Namdi Asimov, it's not like, oh, they just didn't fit the Eagles scheme. They just didn't fit anyone else's scheme. I mean, their career did not exactly boom and take off their next spot, they continue to regress into retirement. James Bradbury, listen, I know he's been around the block a few times, going into his ninth season, or um, yeah, it's nice ninth season that is is going to be his ninth season. Wow, um, he's one of those guys that I feel like is a pro in terms of how he handles himself. I th- certainly think he's. Handles, handles himself better off the field than the previous two guys I mentioned. However, if he's not – if Vic Fangio says, listen, this guy's not, not cutting it as we're getting into the summer, I don't want Howie Roseman, obviously, to be hesitant at all to try and break up anything. If you don't think it's in the cards, trade him away because I, for one, will tell you that I am looking at uh, Kool-Aid McKinstry to be the Eagles selection at pick number 22. So moving forward, after James Bradbury and after the standard talk, I think, and those are the videos that, or the clips rather, that I'm going to play, I think that there was a lot, as we're wrapping this up here, a lot to be intrigued by with what both of them said i certainly thought that and the questions were of course going to be about this past season and the drama i mean that's been kind of stirred up by the media in my opinion um even though i think we can point to really one or two sources rather that have really beefed that up i think that it's one of those things where it's after a season, and everyone, with what went on, they're trying to walk it back to what has happened in years prior. And now, especially with Hassan Reddick's situation, it's just so weird. And, and I don't want that to become a problem because I do question, and I would have loved for someone to have mentioned this, I, I guess. Though maybe neither of them would have said anything, but you may we maybe could have delved into some things. Certainly, if Nick Sirianni had spoken, um, but I would have liked to have heard. Hey, have any players reached out to you about we want this guy back? Is there any of that stuff going on? Because I feel like that would have been a great way for us to get a look at how serious they are in bringing back Hassan Radic, Because in my opinion. I think there's a team out there in the Los Angeles Rams that you could possibly trade up with to get to their pick. Um, I think I said they'd select McKinstry at 22. I think there's an opportunity to, to jump up to 19 with the Rams, a team that you know has a quick trigger on it on trades. They've given up a lot for other guys as well that they value. Um, They gave up a lot for Von Miller, who is at the back end of his career, and I think Hassan Reddick still has enough left in the tank. So as much as I would want the guy back, if the Eagles are going to be making him available, I would expect that first call, in my opinion, to go to the Los Angeles Rams, whether it's the Eagles calling the Rams or the Rams calling the Eagles, because I think at that point you can move up and you can make um, make that pick with Kool-Aid McKinstry out of Alabama, the type of cornerback that I think the Philadelphia Eagles really need. And certainly someone that could learn off of Adarius Darius Slay and someone that I think could also kind of challenge James Bradbury. And it also would be interesting to see what the Eagles then do with Avante Maddox as well. So that's going to do it for me here on this Wednesday afternoon. I appreciate everyone tuning in. There's not going to be a ton to talk about with the Philadelphia Eagles um, throughout unless we get you know some type of big news coming in like oh Hassan Reddick was traded or anything along those lines um, until free agency starts so it's going to be a little bit we'll be mainly talking about the 76ers, the Flyers, of course game recaps and then the Phillies will have some stuff coming up soon on who's winning those bench spots and stuff like that. So thanks everyone for tuning in and as always I'll talk to you next time.
1: E-L-G-L-E-S-E-R!